Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 75 of the Citrix Session. I'm your host, Andy Whiteside. I had to actually pause when I said that because we're starting our networking version of this uh, this podcast this afternoon. I was just talking about that, and I almost confused myself a little too early. Uh, I've got uh, got with me uh, Bill Sutton, Director of Services. Bill, it's been a seems like it's been a week or two since we spoke. Had you on one of these? How's uh, how's the world of consulting services going? Going great, Andy. Keeping busy. Um, lots of new things coming along the pike, so it's uh, going well. It has been a couple of weeks, though. Yeah, I would love to jump into a conversation with you about all the all the newer services that we're offering, but uh, we'll just leave people hanging. They can reach out to one of our client executives, talk through that. Uh, ben Rogers, how's it going? Good, Andy. I'm doing well, man. We're getting ready for summer. Last week of school for the kids, so... Uh, we're getting ready for the kids to invade the house as of next week. Mm. Yeah, I took my son for his for last Monday, his last week of school. Uh, you know, this year has been so weird. It almost seems like it, I don't know, it may, it may just be, this may be going back to normal versus the alternative. I'm not sure. Yeah, well, I agree with you. I, I As of this morning, I looked at my son and said, uh, you know, this is your last Monday of fourth grade. Have a good week. Have a good time. And I'll see you this afternoon. So we're looking forward to the week. You know, at this point, he's done his EOG. So the stress level is off of him. It should be a fun week for him. But it'd be real interesting to see. Uh, I went to my neighborhood pool yesterday and obviously saw a lot of parents from the school system there. And I think everybody's ready to get back to full time uh, class on site uh, was, a, was a sentiment a lot of, lot of parents had. And then also just how disruptive the at-home school has been on the professionals, you know, in the world, man. So uh, I, I feel for all the parents out there, I'm one with you. I'm in the trench with you. And uh, let's hope that next year we can get back to normal and these kids can get back in the school full time, at least mine anyway. Yeah, I think everybody's going to revolt if we don't. So it's, it's going to happen. Right? That's how <laughs> hey, uh, before we move on uh, to Alan, um, I think you and I have talked about basements before. That must be your basement you're in. Uh, doesn't look like the normal office that you're normally sitting in. Are you, are you talking to me? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yes. Uh, so I have an office upstairs in my house, but when the kids come back home, I can't get any work done upstairs. I mean, they're constantly coming in there, you know, bothering me. And my office is between my son's bedroom and my son's playroom. So it's just a madhouse. So in preparation for them to get back home next week, I have moved back down to my basement. I am here of my own free will. I'm not being kept prisoner of anything. So, uh, but yeah, it's quite neat down here. And this is a little bit of a jam room for me, but now I'm moving back to the basement because the kids are coming back home next week. And I just need my privacy to do what I've got to do to make a living. Yeah. I will give you one quick uh, tidbit. I put those really bright uh, daylight lights that you see advertised uh, on TV uh, in my garage, uh, man, it lit it up like it's daytime in the garage. Now I, I'll, I could share those with you if you want. That was, that was a huge, that was a big change, uh, for my garage. Yeah. I'm sure similar. Well, well, you have the great debate. My wife yeah, wants to remodel it. I say no. Yeah. Well, that's a whole nother conversation. I'm sure. He's yeah, sure. on Alan. Welcome back. And glad to have you again. Thanks Andy and crew. Great to be back with you guys for another podcast. So, Alan, you were on with us before to talk about performance analytics, right? Yeah, I was on a previous podcast along with my colleague, Eric Kenny. I was talking performance analytics, and he was talking security analytics. 
And this time we're going to talk about your blog uh, from a month ago or so called uh, Spring Into Productivity with the Latest Features in Performance Analytics. You want to just kind of tee it up for us and talk about what Citrix is continuing to do, kind of the general idea, and then we'll jump into jump into the specifics about this one. Yeah, sure. Be glad to. So this is one of a few blogs that I've put out. And with, with that particular blog, my goal was to highlight some of the latest innovations that we've had around performance analytics. Uh, many of these capabilities coming directly from administrators' asks. And so a lot of great features that we can uh, cover here, things like looking for overloaded machines and failure insights, helping to uh, really ensure customers are getting the most out of their uh, environments for apps and desktops, both on-prem and cloud. So I think we might've said it in the last podcast, but the, the world's official most valuable thing is now data. And Citrix is approaching it from two angles, just to kind of recap from last time. You've got yes. the security analytics, which is you know exactly what it sounds like, but probably beyond what you even think when you think about what all the Citrix products can aggregate into a single place, including the ICA, or should I call it HDX protocol? Uh, and then you have the performance analytics, same thing there, right? You guys are grabbing analytics from all things Citrix and beyond and giving people right. the ability to not only view it, but consume it and do something with it, right? Exactly. Uh, put another way, it's it's making sense of all the data, right? The vast amount of data that's generated in customer environments. So how can we make it more actionable, more proactive, and uh, just make making sense of it? So it's not another alert, it's not another dashboard, but it's something that admins can really act upon and, and see true positive value for their environments. Yeah. yeah. It's almost like you get that little arrow that says, here's everything, but look here or look exactly. here, right? Exactly. Yeah. So Ben, you mentioned you had three to five uh, POCs going with analytics. I don't know if that was performance or security. Um, do you kind of want to kind of set us up here for why you're seeing the growth in that part of the Citrix business? Well, part of it is, uh, Obviously, you know, the healthcare specialty, healthcare systems are wanting to make sure the healthcare systems are healthy. How are they delivering? You know, what's the next step? A lot of it's around, you know, they're fixing to make the transition to cloud. So they want to look at what their on-prem performance looks like today. And as they transition load out the cloud, they want to have a comparison. You know, are we getting better, worse? What it, you know, also I've had some customers that's wanting to look at it to do a cost comparison of the environments, you know. If you've got a little bit on-prem, a little bit in cloud, multiple cloud vendors, they'll actually use this performance tool. And then I've got two customers that are using this to uh, figure out problems. They, they're having actual performance issues. We've got this loaded in their environment, and we're starting to see you know, some of, of why they're having performance issues. So this has been a very good tool, very insightful. Uh, like, any, like any tool, it's neat to get it into the environment and see what it finds. Uh, the one place that we're having performance issues, we're seeing that it's latency on the internet side. So, you know, now we're opening up to the conversation of, could we utilize maybe some of the Azure backbone instead of the public internet? And so it drives a lot of interesting conversations. And, uh, you know, I'll have plenty of questions as, as Alan goes through this. But so far, the POCs have been real interesting. I hope they're all successes at the end of the day. But right now, it's finding some interesting data that we're responding to. And I think it's interesting. You brought up healthcare because the blog is kind of centered around a little bit of a financial uh, organization. It, it really doesn't matter, right? Anybody who's trying to look at their data holistically, Citrix, and this is probably the biggest game changer or, or biggest value Citrix brings to this whole EUC space, is that kind of end-to-end -end piece of data that can, can be made sense of. 
now, Alan, correct me if I'm wrong here and keep me honest, but I've actually said to some uh, systems administrators that this could be a knock tool. This could be something that could be sitting dead center of the screen, analyzing as things go from green to yellow to red, instant response. So I look at I look at some of this as a uh, as a proactive tool more than a reactive tool. Man, you could actually do some hunting and some fishing with this to find some things in your environment instead of sitting there watching the support help desk go, you know, uh, hot all of the hot minute and not know what's going on. So again, we're very excited to see what you're going to tell us here, but this is a pretty cool tool that could actually help administrators be proactive in their environment instead of relying on users to tell them what's wrong. Yeah, absolutely. That, that's spot on there, Ben. I mean, just kind of incorporating this as part of an overall uh, knock strategy where you're looking at some of the dashboards and some of the insights that are generated from Citrix analytics to yes, get ahead of the curve and, and inform users what they need to correct or, or upgrade before they call the help desk and, and start costing the company money. And that's, that's kind of the Holy grail of all this. If we can get ahead of the users and let them complain about stuff that, you know, they're going to complain about, but if we can make the day-to-day -day type of stuff blonde, like, where they're not available, not aware of it, that would just be a huge step in the right direction. Bill Sutton, are you seeing um, projects around that are including analytics and security, um, analytics for performance and security as part of our Citrix projects? Uh, we haven't seen that many. We've had some customers, particularly ones that are running in Azure, that have come to us and said, we want, we want to do a POC of this. Um, and we've got a couple of those going, to my knowledge. Um, one of the things that I, I really find interesting about this, which Ben kind of alluded to, the, the ability to be proactive and identify the issue before the user even knows there, there's an issue. But, you know, inevitably, users sometimes don't complain until later. And I like the ability to be able to roll back, to scroll back and look at the timeline and actually look, you know, go back. When did this happen to you, Mr. User? Well, about nine o'clock yesterday morning. So you, with, with, this, with the performance analytics, it looks like you can, you can actually go back to that point in time. I'm sure there's a limit. but uh, you can go back to that point in time and see what was going on and be able to address it from that point forward. So guys, how much of the need for this is really kind of psychological where people are moving to cloud environments where they just don't control as much as they used to control and they need you know, peace of mind that things are performing the way they're supposed to be? I think that's probably a, a good part of it. Um, you know, although we have seen some interest from on-prem, but, but more of the interest seems to be those that are running in Azure to really get a better handle on what's going on and what the resource requirements are, whether they have the right machine types set up properly with the right specs and so forth. So Alan, maybe we should uh, jump into the um, areas where you guys have improved the product in the spring. You want to mm -hmm. cover this uh, detecting overloaded machines piece? Yeah, sure. Be glad to, Andy. So one of the features we released recently is around detecting overloaded machines. So uh, we know that we use load evaluators, right? And there's load balancing that happens in a virtual app and desktop environment. And customers can configure that a variety of different ways. But at the end of the day, we can't really determine of a given classification of users, say knowledge worker, that knowledge worker A is going to be more resource intensive than knowledge worker B. And so what'll happen, right, is you get these scenarios in which you have the so-called noisy neighbor where you've got the one user on the multi-shared host that's running an Excel macro, or they're doing something to peg the CPU. Even when a machine is considered maxed out from a load evaluator perspective, it shouldn't have a CPU utilization that's, um, that's around 100% for extended periods of time. 
So with Citrix Analytics, what we can do is we can actually detect if a particular host seems like it's, it's being pegged for extended periods of time and using our machine learning, we'll go ahead and we'll classify that machine as overloaded. And then you can drill in the timeline. And I want to, I've done a video on this. We also have a, uh, the previous tech zone live that took place last quarter. Uh, we did a video and we have a, a separate blog on this, uh, but this is great because it really helps admins pinpoint these machines so they can take action and begin to have the machines enter maintenance mode, slowly drain users, or maybe uncover some of the underlying causes. And in many cases with Citrix Analytics, you can draw that correlation through the, the charts when the machine is overloaded and how that correlates with the user performance on that particular host. So it's pretty, pretty slick stuff. So Alan, is this multi-session oriented users or is there a play for this even in single sessions? There's a play for it in single session as well, although it is more geared towards the uh, the multi-session host and the potential that that could affect other users. Uh, but yes, you can, uh, you can look at all types of machines. Uh, and then of course, the follow-on solution that we have here is you can implement something like the Citrix Workspace Environment Management to intelligently detect and throttle back uh, these uh, requests for resources as they happen from uh, the specific processes. Mm -hmm. uh, ben, Bill, thoughts on this part of it? I'm curious, um, Alan, with, when WIM is in place, I assume that uh, the uh, performance analytics is aware of it. So, you know, the, the OS will still report 100% CPU utilization, even though WIM is tapping it down. Does it, uh, does it have the ability to see that when WIM is in play? Yeah, that's that's a great question. So the teams have have aligned and Good. it will detect if WEM is available and it knows based off how the algorithm was designed to um, to ensure that the process is intelligently managed. Because with WEM, what we do is we're doing a real-time adjustment of right. process priority, right? And the corresponding threads, of course, that are associated with that. So yes, it will go ahead and detect that. And essentially when you have Citrix Analytics, it helps you refine and, um, and dial in some of the areas that you're focusing on with, with WEM and what you need to adjust. And just to kind of throw, uh, throw a shout out there of things to come, this is an area that we're looking to continue to refine and get even more granular around overloaded machines, visibility, and action. So I'm just throwing that out there. This is a, a real big area and it's already paying huge dividends in many of our largest environments. So, Alan, you said something interesting there when you talk about actions. So I, I want to remember that word for one second. But what you literally just described is you tuning the environment. You're able to look at the stats that are coming in and able to make reactive decisions to them with whim or, you know, whatever kind of product that would allow you to tune your environment. So I think that's really neat. One of the things that I wanted to ask you, remember, I was going to drill you with a few questions on this because I'm in the middle of these POCs is, the action piece. So let's say you saw some overloaded machines. What would we be able to do with those in the future? Will we be able to notify administrators, hey, go look at these physical resources? Will we will we be able to notify and potentially remedy those? Give us kind of an idea on the actions, because right now what I have people asking for is, can I get notified? If I have one of these machines go into this black hole, can we be notified that it's happening so that I don't have to look at something or you know, tell me it's happening versus me having to come and look at it. Yeah, great, great questions, Ben. So, yes, so you can 
create a certain um, alert or notification around the overloaded machines. You can create reports around these types of machines. And uh, today, rolling out across the analytics environments are the ability to effectively take action on these machines. So this way you don't have to context switch between something like director if you wanted to take a machine into maintenance mode or reboot it or shut it down, for example. So that's where we are today. Uh, but again, just to kind of foreshadow where we're headed in the future, we are looking at ways to uh, provide additional scripting, additional automation, additional routines, uh, where yes, you could potentially uh, just, just have an overall policy that when an overloaded machine is detected, do this particular action or enter this workflow and give me the, the results. So uh, again, more, more to come in this space, but uh, yes, yes, that's that's along the lines of what we're thinking. Hey, Alan, something I thought I would bring up here. The, one of the things that makes Citrix unique to themselves here is the fact that a lot of this data is somewhat proprietary and only Citrix can see it. Can you kind of go into that briefly to kind of help people understand which parts the rest of the world might be able to get access to and do something with it, and the pieces that are really proprietary to Citrix. Yeah, I'd be glad to, Andy. That's another great topic of, of discussion. And, you know, this is this is a fine line that, that we walk between making specific APIs and data sets available versus something that we, we hold uh, close to ourselves as IP. One such example that we do hold close, especially in recent times, is around graphics and the ICA protocol. Uh, so as you guys may know, years past, we would actually, to specific companies, we would uh, license out or, or contract out the uh, the protocol spec, right, for graphics and, and, the, and the ICA stack. And within the Citrix Ready ecosystem, various vendors would, uh, would, would use that information in their products to accomplish specific tasks or provide a given set of visibility. As the protocol has evolved and as we've produced our own codecs rather than uh, using more off-the-shelf and open-source codecs, uh, we we definitely felt the desire, and I think understandably so, to keep that type of information cl closely guarded, intellectual property. And we are able to surface that level of, of detail when it comes to performance in something like security analytics. But unfortunately, uh, we, we, aren't, we aren't able to make that type of data publicly available. Now, on that note, we are looking at continuing to expand our APIs and a number of vendors have reached out to us and said, hey, you know, this analytics platform uh, is great, right? Because we view it as a, as a multi-tiered approach, the data and then the insights, and we'd like to be able to, uh, to tap into that. So these conversations are ongoing. And uh, yes, I would anticipate in the coming quarters, uh, the possibility of some, some APIs and third-party interaction with Citrix Analytics above and beyond what we're doing today with like Active Directory and Splunk and, and some of that exchange that we have going on. Well, that's good insights. I think a lot of listeners would be happy to hear that that they're provide they're, that you guys will be the provider, but people will be able to subscribe to that through the APIs uh, and get, get their tool of choice to be able to leverage your power that comes as part of the uh, solution that you guys have as part of your product set. Exactly, that's that's the goal. That, that's what we're shooting for here. Yeah. Okay, well, let's move on to the next section, which is uh, failure insights, which you mentioned, somebody said the word, I think maybe it was Ben, said the word black hole a while ago. And you know, as a 25 plus year Citrix guy, I'm, first thing I think of when I think black hole is XML. What, uh, what are you guys covering <laughs> here with the failure insights piece that's uh, evolved? Yeah, so the, the failure insights today, we've uh, launched it with two primary failure categories. The first is that black hole machine or the black hole VDA. 
And as its name implies, this is a VDA in which connections are being directed to. So, right, the controller, be it on-premises or cloud, is saying, oh, this is our least loaded VDA. It, it shows re registered and it should be accepting connections, but for whatever reason, it's not accepting connections. And so we detect these types of failures. And not only that, we go a step further and providing the admin with some prescriptive recommendations to check licensing, maybe the machine needs a reboot and you can see the overall uptime uh, and some other general uh, recommendations. So that one, although black hole machines don't happen too often in an environment, when they do happen and you don't have a tool like Citrix Analytics, let me tell you, trying to find these can be quite elusive. So it's great that we have that visibility now. And the other um, option that we have here in Failure Insights now is for communication errors or communication failures. And we break this down along key hops throughout the path. So you can look from the endpoint to gateway and then gateway and backend system look at the number of failures, and then you can drill in further to determine if maybe it is an issue with the particular endpoint and the network configuration or the software they have on the endpoint, or if it is something with the gateway, maybe the user was getting incorrectly routed to an inappropriate gateway, and there's a firewall, some other things in the mix, or perhaps something with the backend VDA resource that users are connecting to. So um, from customer feedback that we've had thus far, it's really helped to shed some light on issues that customers either didn't realize they had or they were elusive help desk call generators. Yeah, you mentioned you know this piece and talking about black holes and I've only had it happen one time in my career and what ended up fixing it was a reboot that wasn't intended to fix a black hole. It just fixed the issue <laughs> that was happening with the connector or at that time the uh of uh, the presentation server, the XML, the farm master. I'm losing my terminology here. It's been so long, but uh, Ben yep. and Bill, thoughts on- Or zone data collector. Yeah, zone data collector. That's Maybe what it state. was. <laughs> yeah, wow. It's been a while. Um, ben, Bill, thoughts on the uh, the failure insights piece and how that's evolved? For me, I think the one cool thing about it is that they're giving you remediation task. You know, they're not only letting you know that this is a problem, but here, tip, here are the typical steps we would take to resolve that. So if an administrator is getting called about this and they go and look and go, oh, one of these machines is in a failure state, at least, the you know, he doesn't have to start thinking of, all right, let me get Google out. Let me do this. At least we're coming and saying, hey, try these top three things first, not remedy it, then we'll take a step further. But I think that's the biggest piece of this is identifying it. And then after identifying it, telling me what I got to do to fix it. Yeah, I think to some degree, this is from where I said, it's kind of like, kind of like almost like the easy button to some degree. And what I mean is I, I've been, I've encountered this a number of times over the years, Andy, and a lot of times admins would do the best they could to figure out what was going on. And after an hour or hour and a half, they'd reach out to us as their partner to help them with the black hole in particular. And, you know, during that hour and a half, they didn't, they were really just kind of trying to figure it out via Google or what have you. This yeah. gives them an opportunity to actually have some steps they can, they can proactively or reactively, you know, implement to resolve the issue quickly and not have to keep their users on hold for an hour and a half. Well, you know, you got to think when, when you've, I've seen this a couple of times. So you have the engineer come to you and they go, I can ping it. I can trace route to it. It's answering, yep. you know, specific networking commands. It's out there. We can see it running, yada, yada, yada. So these are very strange 
events to try to diagnose that it's nice that this is now in graphic form and says, hey, this is what the problem is. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you there. No, no, it's fine. And and maybe one of the worst things that can happen is you just randomly, okay, just reboot the stupid thing, knowing that it's going to come back. Uh, and you didn't know what the problem really was all along. That could be an immediate, uh, you know, next step, which might save you for the moment, but might just lead you into a, a, a situation an hour later or a week later when you're on vacation. Yeah, no, no one wants those calls when they're on vacation. And, and that's a great solution to see if there's repeat offending machines. Maybe there's some perhaps dedicated VDAs that are just falling in this black hole scenario more often than others or a certain part of the network or maybe a security related software or hardware failure. And uh, so this really helps to uncover those insights for the admin. Well, and let's highlight what Alan said before we go too much further. This is very, very, very uncommon. But when it does happen, it's, it's bad. And Citrix right. has done a really good job making sure this isn't a, a daily type of thing in almost all yeah. scenarios. Oh, yeah. All right. Availability insights. Go ahead, Alan. Yeah. Yeah, you know, this is one, again, coming directly from customer feedback is that, uh, you know, hey, I've had the ability to see which machines are registered, which machines haven't registered, but I haven't really been able to get a true, quote, state of the union and understand how much of my infrastructure has been available and unavailable and what's the reasoning for it, specifically for the percentage that's been unavailable. And naturally, we throw a little bit of machine learning in the mix as well to help optimize and make some recommendations. So what we're doing here is we're actually looking at what we would consider the true overall availability of an environment. Uh, and this really pays dividends, especially to 24 by seven shops. Uh, when you're looking at the percentage of unavailable machines that we determine, we break it down by machines that haven't registered, uh, failures, as well as machines that have entered a maintenance mode. And then you can drill into these machines and look at timeline details to really pinpoint, okay, like what's what's truly happening here? Is it is it more planned outage? Is it unplanned outage? And how can we fully optimize this? Ultimately, drive that number down as much as possible. Right. Ben, Bill. Yeah, I think this uh, this would be something also that hosting hosting providers could definitely use to help demonstrate the availability of their environment as well. So I, I see a use there in addition to standard customers. How much of this is on-premises capable as well, or is this only environments that are 100% Citrix virtual app and desktop service? It's for both on-premises and cloud. So all the capabilities we've talked about today for Citrix Analytics for performance, you can equally use it if you're on-premises as well as Citrix Cloud. And one of the great things about Citrix Analytics is it aggregates multiple environments. So if you have one or more on-premises environments, one or more Citrix Cloud virtual apps and desktop service environments, then you can go ahead and take advantage of these capabilities. All right, so listeners, listen to what he just said. You have the ability to do analysis on individual environments. So one of the things that, you know, I'm not calling any cloud vendors out, but when they produce their reports, you have to remember that it's the, you know, the, the uh, what is the fox protecting the hen house? You know, they're going to produce things that are going to put it in their light. With this tool, you can go across all of your cloud vendors 
in your on-prem environment and be able to get statistically at a whole, you know, how's the whole environment running or how are these individual environments running? And I see this, you know, I go back to my, my not comment. I see this being a screen that's in the not analyzing the different environments, but I also see this being a time where you want to look at what cloud provider is providing me the best service. What, cost is it costing me for that service? How is reliable is that service? And that's really where this is going to come into play. This is going to be able to look at the performance of your different resource locations and how are they doing and be able to do a cross comparison of them. Yeah, yeah exactly. Actually- Just trend, trending over time and you have that full aggregate view where you can look at everything, as you mentioned, Ben, or you can break it down by specific site and you can create reports and literally compare side by side. Well, and I was going to add to that. I mean, I was really I was going to go the other direction, which is now you finally have a chance to see what your uptime uptime looks like. You know, maybe you're comparing GCP and Azure. And by the way, your company's data center. Uh, I think a lot of times people give their data center, their private data center, a little more credit for being up than it really is because they don't necessarily measure it like this. Point. We also have to also have to think, man. You can really start to get into a cost per compute with this model. Even That's in an on-prem environment, you can you can start analyzing it that way. Yeah. So for CIOs, people that are having you know CFOs, people that are having to justify this, and again, administrators that are listening to this, listen to what we're saying. This gives you some real data to go. Here is what's happening inside the four walls of our data center, on-prem, off-prem, cloud, wherever. All right, Alan, let's jump into the next section, self-service improvements. Okay, so the self-service area of Citrix Analytics is also known as the query area. And this is where you you build your queries across the rich data set to uncover your own insights and you can save queries. So we've had this since launch of Citrix Analytics, but what we've improved recently is the ability to automatically show data visualization. So previously we just show all the results in a tabular format, black and white tabular format specifically. And now for specific queries around things like network information and geographic locations, as shown in the blog, you can view it in a nice graphical way. So it's much easier to digest. And the other thing that we've added here is Again, using machine learning, we're automatically categorizing these metrics and color coding them. So if something is bad, we'll go ahead and make that metric red, regardless of what that particular metric type may be. It could be excessive latency number. It might be something more related to to maybe a disk utilization, what have you. If it's a poor metric, we'll categorize it as red, very easy for the admin to spot. If it's something that's average, We'll show it in the the amber color that we use. And this, again, helps to make it so much quicker uh, to pinpoint areas of concern when you're running your own queries across the data sets. Yeah, I can imagine this being very helpful from a a day-to-day perspective. Yeah, I would agree. I mean, this is huge in in really being able to pinpoint, like you said, Alan, and spot, spot the areas of concern uh, right off the bat without having to dig down and, and, you know, sort them, you know, sort the columns and what have you. Exactly. And of course we have the option, you can export this data and visualize it in the program of your choice, maybe like a Tableau or something, 
right. this just makes it that much easier where for many use cases, you simply don't even need to do that. You can, right. you can find what you're looking for that much quicker and then move on with your day. So guys, my employees, when I worked for CNSA would have loved this because what would have happened is they would have gotten a call from somebody on something and they would have gone, let me go in and see how many other users are being inflicted with this. And so for them to be able very quickly to go in, create a query, get the data that they need, be able to have it identified as a real problem or a false positive or whatever, you know, the color code is going to tell them what this is invaluable, man, for people to be able to solve problems and be able to support, you know, large installs. Yeah, you can only rely on help desk calls and hallway conversations to, to some degree. You, you really need insight. And we talked about data, right? We talked about the value of data and its uh, ability to help us be more proactive multiple times. And Ben, you mentioned uh, knock a couple times. I mean, just a, just a little cube or two or a room of just a Citrix knock at this point probably becomes a real reality with the tools that are becoming available. And as you know, I wouldn't want to call it Citrix. I'd call it whatever your company's decided to call or brand your EUC environment with. All right, Alan, uh, machine actions. Yeah, so this is one that we did touch on a little bit already in the overloaded machines uh, topic, but let's go ahead and spend a little bit more time on it. So the machine actions, this is where when you're viewing the machine details in Citrix Analytics, we are launching with the ability to enter maintenance mode, remove the machine from maintenance mode. You can power cycle the machine. So some, some baseline actions that you can take. And again, we can do these actions from director as well, but it's just all around efficiency. So this way we don't have to context switch between multiple applications. And we've got everything that we need in Citrix Analytics to understand the problem and then prepare to remedy the problem right from analytics. Bill, Ben, thoughts on this one? So I'm gonna ask the, the obvious question here. What does this mean for director and its life? Oh, director is still uh, going to be around <laughs> for, for, for sure, right? It's our, it's, our, it's our daily monitoring console and that's where the help desk staff uh, spend their days working. But right. you bring up a great point, Bill, because I think this sort of ties into delegate administration and perhaps the different personas, right? That might be using these tools. What we find is that when it comes to analytics, that's a tool that you tend to have your admins, maybe even delegated admins working in, but it's more of a true administrator tool versus your uh, director. It, it, that's designed more for help desk staff, right? Where they can see all the session details, they can shadow, shadow. Uh, yeah. certainly admins there as well. That's more focused on the help desk persona. and. Um, yeah, so kind of that logical separation there. Sure. I don't know. I, I see this becoming uh, an, an administrator support person's right hand before too long, especially when you start getting the ability to remediate inside of this. Why go look at clunky director and have to dig around reports when this is in your face, in your, I mean, right at your fingertips. So uh, I know right now it's, it's, it's being you know, propped as an analytic tool, but with the things that you're describing, it's getting more to, it's going to be a management level tool. I mean, it's going to be a decision-making tool. Well, can you look at that the opposite way where director is using the APIs that may be available from this at some point and director is your 
your point of entry, no matter whether it's on-premises or in the cloud, and and that gets you to this data, and from there you have the ability to act? Well, yeah, I mean, so where I'm really excited to see this going, and I haven't had the opportunity yet, is I can't wait to have a client that's got you know, two or three resource locations, on-prem, two cloud places, and we actually can start looking at, you know, I'd like to look at the 30,000 foot view. What's the whole environment doing? What's the user experience according to where they're going? And then I'd like to boil down and look at specific resource locations, you know, and and understand like, uh, you know, some customers are going to deploy certain resource locations, certain assets and certain resource locations. And so then you can start kind of talking to the customer about, why did you deploy this on-prem versus cloud? Or are you getting better performance in the cloud? Now it's time of looking at taking it off-prem in the cloud. And so I'm kind of excited to see a lot of those conversations and where this tool can help us as we you know, move into the future of moving more people to cloud, putting more resources in cloud, having to make a decision whether it goes on-prem and in cloud. I think this is going to be a big thing for us. Well, Ben, you might have been foreshadowing into the last section here, which is executive level reports, right? Those are the people that hopefully are asking us what's going on and prove it with data. But at the same time, I know in a lot of cases, we need to bring the data to them and show them what we want them to see. Um, Alan, you want to cover this section? Yeah, yeah, sure, Andy. So this is one, you know, again, <laughs> I know it's cliche at this point, but coming directly from, from customer feedback. And we had some customers that were specifically extending their trial till we release this capability, executive level reporting. So those reports that you generate, when we talk about the self-service area and you're creating some company-specific and business decision-specific reports, now you can schedule those reports to be run and emailed out however often you'd like. So this is awesome for not just executive level visibility to send it out maybe once a week, but also for just daily standups, right? So a great report where the, the IT team can just take a look. Okay, this is how we're trending. This is how we're, we're similar or, or different from, from yesterday, what's changed and giving them all the metrics that are relevant to them. Uh, so this is, this is a really cool capability and one that's been heavily requested to just send, send out the reports that, that you create in addition to being able to save and fully customize them. So this will this will probably put it somewhat in perspective for you guys. Like there there are moments when we do these podcasts where I have this thought of man, I want to go back to being a Citrix admin because now I have stuff that 20 years ago I didn't have, and uh, I I just have this this brief moment of wanting to go back and sit in the seat where I can leverage some of the cool new tools, and then reality sits in and I realize how other many other things I've got to do. Bill, thoughts? Does that uh, does that ever make you this stuff ever make you want to go and do more hands on? Well, yes, and but it also makes me gives me ammunition to help when customers say, you know, I really wish that I, I had the ability to see holistically what my multiple resource locations are doing. Hey, here's a tool. You know, if you'd asked me that five years ago, I would have said, mm, that's a tough one. But now, you know, we, we have the ability to really advise customers. And I'm, I'm sure Ben agrees with this to say, look, we've got other Citrix has got other tools that can do this for you. So it's kind of becomes almost like a, a selling motion, if you will, or it's exactly what it is. As a, selling motion. a former executive that had a Citrix environment under his uh, portfolio. What's your thoughts on this? Oh, I, you know, I almost want to get off of this call and call the guys over at CNSA and go, you got to look at this stuff because it, it really makes life easy. And from, you know, 
times I would just have executives come in my office and go, I know we're having problems. Can you tell me what's going on? And I would have to stitch together three or four windows and confuse them. If I had something like this and I go, here's one pane of glass, here's what's going on from a 30,000 foot view. If you want me to dive into details, I can. I mean, I'll give you an example. I'm having a conversation with a company where they've just added, they've just merged with an organization. They've got a license spike. And they anticipated the license spike, but one of the questions they want to ask is, where is it coming from? Right, and right. we definitively tell, and we're using this package to be able to answer that. Now, this is not a licensing tool, but what I can do is I can look at their license report and look at the hourly usage and analytics, and I can start to stitch together of, you know, these many licenses were consumed in this hour, and here were the people that were on in this hour. And so not only we can tell them how their licenses are being used, but we can tell them where and who we're using them. Yeah, I just had a, another brief moment of envy there for a minute. I want to go back and be a Citrix sales engineer where I can have a chance at answering those questions because now I have data. Yeah. Well, see, what's going to be cool is, is uh, and what I'm excited about this is that that needs to be a report that's sent on a monthly basis to CFO, you know, licensing manager, you know, somebody that, that does the procurement for this. In large companies, that's not an IT person. That's a buyer somewhere. Yeah. So now I'm able to look at them and go, hey, whoever's doing your purchasing, we can send them a monthly report and let them see, you know, what's going on. And as you go and acquire more businesses, you up front can see how your license usage is going on. And that's valuable. People are going to really enjoy those services coming out, out from us. And the flip side of that is, let me show you, you know how much you're paying. Let me show you how little you're using it. Let's, let's get some value out of this thing and turn it up a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So some of the other analytics offerings, like our, our usage analytics and just bringing it all together. And, and I think on a related note, you know, this, this comes up is like, you know, Hey, if you have an on-premises customer, they ask, well, why can't we do this stuff on premises? Right. Why can't we just run like analytics on premises? And, and it always gets back to the, the big data, the machine learning, uh, literally the, the amount of processing and everything that's required for the for the backend infrastructure to surface these kinds of insights, uh, it's amazing. And on a related note, just shameless plug, I'll be doing a blog on that topic soon as well. So probably not too long after this podcast uh, hits live, talking <laughs> about our analytics platform, how we've architected it, and providing some some pretty cool stats. So so be be on the lookout for that. And, and I'm glad you so brought that. We, we, we talk a lot about analytics in the Citrix world to the point where I think people are, get a little exhausted by it. But the truth is, that's where we're going to make the biggest impact going forward, where all this ecosystem Citrix has been putting together all these years is finally starting to come into a way that we can consume it and, and get value out of, more value out of it. Ben, go ahead. Devil in the details here. Um, keep your workspace app client up because the the more you're on the later versions, the better the data gets. I'm in a situation right now where I've got an extreme large number of not categorized events coming in. And when we've gone in and dug into that, we're finding out that they're running some older workspace clients, receivers. And mm -hmm. so now we're having to work with them to get them up to, you know, to get their clients up to speed so that they can get a better insight of what's going on. So what's been explained to me and Alan, please keep me honest here, is that with every workspace app upgrade, uh, they add more, I guess, or tags or fields that they're looking at this data and bringing it into the analytic engine. So if you're on an older workspace app and you're running analytics, you're not getting all that you could be getting. So 
please keep up with the workspace app upgrades. The more you do, the better the picture is going to look and the more refined data we're going to get in that environment. Yep. You're, you're absolutely right, Ben. And that, that would apply to the, the workspace app. And then also, even if customers are using for some use cases, the HTML5 um, option, we can certainly get data from that platform as well. The native clients are always the recommended approach. And like you say, keep them updated for sure. The workspace app. Uh, but even yeah, even HTML5, we can we can get some data from because we are pulling data from various uh, sources. So back in monitoring database from the client, from uh, WMI, from all these all these different areas, and then ultimately trying our best to make sense of it all. Right. Well, Alan, uh, the last section here talks about getting started. I think that's just as simple as reaching out to your your partner of choice or Citrix and saying, "Hey, I want to kick the tires on performance and security analytics. How do I do it? How do I get started?" Yeah, that would, be, that would be the best way. We have trials. We encourage our customers to try it out. Um, there's, there's such an easy path to incorporate data from your production environment, from, from tests, from dev, whether it's on-premises, whether it's cloud, and really allowing the platform to begin generating specific insights. Because until you can really see the insights specific to your environment, we can talk about the value all day long, but that's when it really hits home. So yes, go ahead and request a trial. Like you say, work with work with us, work with your partner and go ahead and see what insights it can unlock for your environment. And the first time you you save the day with it, it's going gonna, it's gonna to change the way you look at it, right? Yeah, it really will. And we're beginning to run through some uh, some some cost calculation exercises around ROI and you know this solution has a very quick ROI a lot of customers don't realize as an add-on solution they think oh well you know our budget's already maxed out literally in a few months time this solution can pay for itself in terms of the reduction in support calls the overall uh, better user experience that you're providing and the better utilization that you're able to benefit from the infrastructure investment you've made from the public cloud investment that you've made. Um, so yeah, go ahead and, and try it out. Uh, the other thing I'll mention as well is our customer stories. So we're continuing to put out customer stories and references around Citrix Analytics. Uh, in fact, we just dropped our uh, first one out of EMEA recently. Um, it's, um, it's a Danish municipality, a great story. You can view all the stories at citrix.com slash customers. And then when you go under product, you can go ahead and select Citrix Analytics for performance. So a lot of great stories, great use cases. I'd encourage those listening to uh, to check it out um, and yeah, see what see what great info is shared on that site. Yep, no, I, de I definitely need to, because that's a great thing to share with other customers and potential customers. Well, Alan, thanks for joining us today. We look forward to that next blog coming out and we'll quickly ask you to join us again. Sounds yeah, great. Always a pleasure, guys. Yeah, thanks. Ben, Bill, anything else before we, uh, before we wrap up? No, nah, this is great, man. This was good for me because I'm right in the middle of this. And so, Alan, I appreciate your insight and uh, answering my questions. Thank you. Yep, I would echo what Ben said. Yeah, definitely informative and appreciate the time. Anytime. Well, I'll share some with you guys. So I learn every one of these podcasts, I learn. I think Bill learns everyone. I think I Ben learns everyone. Um, we had a kind of a flattering moment the other day. So since Zintegra started doing these podcasts, some of the vendors are now doing podcasts too. 
And we had a customer email us the other day and said, hey, thanks for doing your podcast. I got a lot more content and context out of yours than listening to the vendor podcast. So, so we'll all keep doing them and hopefully people find ways to subscribe to all of them. And, and at the end of the day, hopefully people are getting more informed. That's the goal. Definitely. I know I've learned some things and I appreciate all the, the stories and, and projects and challenges that, that you all uh, bring up on these. So yeah, it's great. Yeah. All right, guys. Thank you very much. We'll see you next time. Thanks. Bye all.